My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this week's weekly podcast. This is episode 184 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our title this week is Thanksgiving that God Reveals Only to Children. Our feature text is Sayings Gospel Q 10 verse 21. At that time, he said, I, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you hid these things from sages and, and learned and disclosed them to children. Yes, Father, for that is what it has pleased you to do. Our companion text are Matthew 11, 25 through 26. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Luke 10, 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. This week, um, I'm actually in Salt Lake City, Utah. I know I said last week with last week's recording quality that uh, I was in Norfolk and that this week we'd be back home, but I had uh, not looked at my schedule when I said that, and I'm actually in Salt Lake this week. So again, forgive the the difference in in the recording sound. I'm I'm uh, recording in a different location this week than normal. But uh, our, let's start off this week with uh, children in the first century uh, Palestine. Uh, the the family structure in Palestine in the first century was a a hierarchical pyramid with the male patriarch at the top. On the bottom rung of the social ladder, even below the slaves, were the children. You see this in, in uh, Paul's reference to it in Galatians 4, verse 1. But, but social status is typically evaluated by the degree to which one has both power and resources. And those with large measures of control over power and resources, they operate in a higher social uh, position or higher social positions, uh, while, while those with very little access to power and resources, they live at the bottom. Children have access to neither power nor resources. The typical avenues to power and resources uh, are their education, income, and work. And in our societies, children have none of these, and they're vulnerable to to abuse and neglect. So so child advocacy and children's rights are much needed, and discrimination on the basis of race, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, national origin, religion, disability, color— ethnicity, uh, all of those areas of discrimination are compounded when they apply to children. What what we're seeing this week is the reality that those on the underside and, and fringes of our societies, they are the ones that often see things that are hidden to the much more educated or those labeled as sages. And it's not the magic of being a child that's being highlighted in our saying this week. It's that children were at the bottom of the social pyramid and among the most vulnerable in Jesus' 
society. Uh, children were included in the vulnerable group repeatedly, and they were referred to over and over again throughout the synoptic Jesus stories as little ones. You find this in Mark 9.37, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome uh, whoever does, whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And Mark nine forty two, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Matthew ten forty two, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. In Matthew eighteen six, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone hung around their neck to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Matthew eighteen ten, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. In Luke nine four. Forty-eight. Then he said to me. Then he said to them, "Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is the least among you who is the greatest." And then Luke seventeen two. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. The concern for children in Sang's Gospel Q is actually quite astounding for the first century, and and, and we should should just gloss over it. In any society where there's a top and a bottom, a subjugator and an oppressed, or, or an insider and an outsider, the sayings of Jesus in Q, uh, they're for the bottom, the, the oppressed, the outsider. Reading the Jesus story from within or, or alongside the perspectives and the experiences of those on the fringes and underside of our societies, it opens to us interpretations of the Jesus story that point toward survival and resistance and liberation and restoration. When we can encounter a radically different Jesus from the Jesus shared by those in positions of power uh, 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 through, through this experience, it's an idea that, that Gustavo Gutierrez hints at in his... The following observation is from his book, A Theology of Liberation. He writes, Black, Hispanic, and Amerindian theologies in the United States, theologies arising in the complex contexts of Africa, Asia, and the South Pacific, and especially fruitful, uh, and the especially fruitful thinking of those who have adopted the feminist perspective. All these have meant that for the first time in many centuries of theology, theology is being done outside the customary European and North American centers. The result in the so-called First world has been a new kind of dialogue between traditional thinking and new thinking. In addition, outside the Christian sphere, efforts are underway to develop liberation theologies from Jewish and Muslim perspectives. And so, so the societal position from which one reads the Jesus story, it makes all the difference in the world. And in our saying this week, Jesus is thanking God for the things that have been revealed even to the lowest sectors of the society he lived in. And today, it's not much different. If a child belongs to an affluent home, they might be protected from, from what other children face. But an inner city child has a much different experience. If that child is a child of color, their experience deteriorates even more. If that inner city child is also a female, it deteriorates even further. And if a child happens to identify as LGBTQ, the underage homeless statistics for LGBT youth are disproportionately higher than any other demographic. And I'll put a link to those statistics in, in uh, the e-site this week. But for many, the, the cause is having 
parents who who are Christian fundamentalists and 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 they're being rejecting of their children. And there's something wrong with any ethic or morality that causes one to reject one's own children in the in the name of faithfulness to 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 a God. Christians especially should note that Jesus said the kingdom belong to children. And consider this passage from Matthew. This is Matthew 18, 2. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowest position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Again, uh, it, it's, it's not about becoming childlike as it is becoming like children and, 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 and taking, uh, coming alongside these lowest positions in our society or these excluded positions in our society, these marginalized or subjugated or excluded positions, and, and looking at the Jesus story, becoming like them in that sense, looking through their lens, hearing their voices, hearing their experiences, that we gain wisdom. And ultimately, it doesn't matter how people, are, uh, how people justify discrimination. My eldest daughter is left-handed, and left-handedness still carries moral stigma in some cultures today. And imagine for a moment that, that it's still did in the United States. And let's say that, that, that Christians had a list of Bible verses, and there are some, uh, to ground this prejudice in. And the degree, to the degree that left-handed members of the human family uh, were treated in any way less than, than fully human, even with religious support, they would be included with those that Jesus said the kingdom belonged to. So, so catch this. It doesn't matter the reason for subjugation or marginalization in, in domination systems. It's not the reason for the exclusion, exclusion that Jesus rejects, but the exclusion itself. Treating someone as less than a child of God, as someone not fully made in the image of God, and, and less than human compared to others, it subjugates them. And, and the Jesus of Q is opposed to that exclusion and, and marginalization. Jesus always states that the changes he was calling for were good news or the gospel to this group. Whoever was othered, or regardless of why they were, was the group Jesus would say would now be called blessed. Two years ago, I attended a gathering of LGBTQ Christians, and then I wrote the following words on my website. I'm going to read them again here, and then I'm going to put a link in the e-site to, to that past e-site. But I wrote these words, Blessed are those who are gay, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn as a result of how they're treated, for identifying as lesbian, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the erased bisexuals, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who identify as transgender, who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who identify as intersex, yet show mercy to their oppressors, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, regardless of whether they are mostly straight or mostly queer, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, wherever they land on the spectrum, for they will be called children of God. And lastly, blessed are those who, regardless of their sex, gender, or orientation, who are persecuted because of their call for justice, equality, and mercy, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That was from 2014. And the pushback to this, to writing this or publishing this, was astounding. So many of those who were then following us, so many uh, that we lost count, questioned how we could possibly have the audacity to say such a thing. And I hope that this week's saying from Sang's Gospel Q offers some explanation. Look at our society 
society for a moment. Who does our society push to the edges or place on the underside? Whom does society try to pretend doesn't exist? Who are the victims of of the lies that we tell ourselves to help us rest better at night? It doesn't matter why we choose to place those people there. The fact that they are uh, there, it it qualifies them uh, for Jesus' specific blessing. They are the ones that Jesus' words in in Matthew's Beatitudes or or Luke's Luke's Sermon on the Plain, uh, they're the ones that these words were for. They're the ones for whom Jesus' teachings point to a path of survival, of liberation, resistance, and a a hope for social transformation and a restoration of of things that have been lost. Jesus did come announcing salvation, and it was a salvation that spoke of a radical change for those placed in the position of being last today, here, and now. In Luke 13, 28 through 30, we read these words, There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. This week, let's take a moment to listen to the voices and the experiences of those least privileged by our socioeconomic and political structures, and consider what it means that the Jesus whose whose feet we sit at and we learn from looked at the lowest sector of his own society and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you hid these things from the sages and the learned and disclosed them to children. Yes, Father, for that is what it has pleased you to do. Heart group application this week. In the book, My Sister, My Brother, Karen Fletcher, uh, Baker Fletcher, describes a womanist's understanding of God and what it means to know that God. And she acknowledges our interdependent communal reality as human. She writes on page 35, knowing the spirit is more than a passive emotive experience. It involves head and heart, reason and feeling. Moreover, it involves struggle and living out the experience of being wrapped in God's peace. This is not an individualistic activity, but a communal one that requires sharing to be authentic. It's not sustainable uh, for anyone to struggle daily uh, for justice, for love, for peace, and, and respect for others. Uh, to, to do that alone, we need each other, and we can only experience these realities alongside each other. And I would argue it's actually impossible to follow Jesus all by oneself. So many of Jesus's teachings were uh, about community, and it seemed like his solution to many problems were within the context of a community. That without a community, many of what he said about many, much of what he said about community just ceases to be relevant. So this week, discuss as a group how your understanding of, of the values of justice, love, peace, and respect, how those have grown from the experience you've had in your heart group, and take. Take note if your consciousness has been enlarged by listening to those who are, as we've looked at this week, most vulnerable in your group. And then discuss together some practical ways that you can lean even further into the communal experience of knowing uh, that knowing that Baker Fletcher speaks of in the above statement. And how does being together 
enable this knowing where where doing life alone does not. And then number three, take one of those things you discussed in number two and and put it into practice this week uh, together. Again, learning from the most vulnerable among us and their experience of life. Uh, Even the sages and the learned among us can enter into the wisdom of what a safer, more compassionate, more just world can look like from them. This week, let's choose to listen to. Again, thank you for joining us. Um, Whatever you may be experiencing this week, thank you for checking in with this community. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries, even our our many educational events that we do in various venues, is for free. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources and remember every little bit helps. And and as always, anything that we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are are making both systemic and personal differences and significant differences in the lives of those who are not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. Your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue being a presence for positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together, we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. <laughs>